Not a single, not a double, but a triple. Welcome to the Triple Option Podcast with Ryan Gregory and Devin Voss, a part of the Running Hooks Podcast Network. Pass podcast. I'm co-host of Voss, and of course, with me is co-host Ryan Gregory. How are we tonight, Ryan? Top of the world as always, buddy. How are you doing? Pretty fine myself. Uh, today we get to talk more college football, more drafts. Uh, so it's going to be a pretty solid night. Yeah, uh, we've both agreed that we're not nearly as crazy about the defensive prospects in this draft as we were for the offensive ones. So. We're gonna get through the content for the for the for the sake of the viewer, but this this brings us no joy. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, Zach Griffith. When you listen to this, uh, you may not get as as fired up about the O line, um, or as we did about the O line, about the D line. So, um, unfortunately, that may not happen. But nonetheless, uh, we we plan to deliver some content here. So. Uh, you know what? Without further ado, let's just get right into it. Uh, we'll start with the big boys, the defensive line uh, just mentioned. So I would really like to hear, uh, you, you said you got an interior defender as, as your top guy. So who do you got? Yeah, it's, um, it is kind of a, a slight to all the edges in this class, how they're the, the athletic upside is great for a lot of these guys, but there's just a lot of question marks when it, there's no like clear number one, there's no miles Garrett in this class. There's no chase young. And so I had to go with who I thought was the safest pick to be a stud at the next level. And that's uh, the defensive tackle Christian Barmore out of Alabama. I that's mean, totally fair. He, yeah, he's still super young. He's only a redshirt sophomore. And he led Bama in sacks last year with eight as an interior defensive lineman. (laughs) Like he was the defensive MVP of the, uh, of the national championship. And that's what really makes like made him rise up boards for a lot of people was that he, he always brought it against the best competition. I mean, his two best games of last season were Notre Dame, the national semifinal and Ohio state, the national title. Like he can bring it against NFL guys. He has a, a violent first step and he's got really good feet for how, for how big he is. Like the only thing that he really needs to work on is like he fills gaps well, but he just like sometimes misses tackles. <laughs> like I'll, I'll take that. If you're like a good gap filling defensive tackle with like a, a disruptive and pressuring tendency, like he has, like uh, he's the safest pick to me on the defensive line this year. Right. Ultimately you want that guy that's going to force even if he doesn't make the tackle, he's going to force him into another defender. Exactly. Uh, and, and he's definitely one of those people. And uh, he's he's actually my my second ranked because I couldn't pass over this one guy. But uh, I'll get to that <laughs> in a minute. Uh, more on more on Barrymore. Uh, yeah, you really saw him grow into himself as the season progressed. And obviously, uh, what you really like to see is the fact that he really played well in those big games. Um and so I, I mean, yeah, exactly. He's he's he did have some inconsistency issues, but again, you know that was earlier uh, in the season, uh, a little bit more. You know, he, he's a young guy, so uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, 
nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would agree. Um, he's probably the the safest pick here, but the guy that I'm picking is number one, uh, in in my opinion. I, I just can't pass over him. I just, I, I can't put myself to do it. He's six six two sixty, and fast. And I'm talking about Gregory Rousseau. <laughs> Greg um, Rousseau's your number one. Yeah. Dude, he's not even on my list. He's not even on your list? No. Come on. Look, we're talking about a guy. Now, here's a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. No, for real, though. Um, we're talking about a guy who can... Uh... Okay, so he struggles with the uh, winning on the edge against offensive tackle sometimes. There's no doubt about that. But uh, the thing is, he's so versatile uh you know he could he can move back even at 260 the dude can move back into like a little bit of a rover roll uh he's got enough speed on the edge to be able to catch uh you know some of those bubble screens and stuff there's a couple plays uh you know you can watch on youtube and such uh and you know he's freakishly athletic uh 16 sacks in his freshman season um i don't know there's just so much potential in him that i see uh, is it a little bit like, yes, he's going to go second round. So obviously, you know, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here, but, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, I just see so much potential with him. And I know that he's also a young guy, uh, similar to Barrymore, but, uh, this dude was just roasting, like literally roasting ACC defenses in his, in his freshman season. So, um, it, I feel like the year off, you know, him choose electing to to go back probably hurt him a little bit but um certainly not in my eyes i I see him as just one of those freak freak guys for sure yeah i mean the the freak thing kind of went down with his pro day he did not put up great numbers and that that kind of caused him to slip a little bit and then that's from from that from that um like his, his running was fine i think he ran like a four six something so like that's Okay, he's a huge person. Like his explosiveness, his explosiveness was not good, and I, I think that versatility isn't what you're looking for for the from the top guy. The top guy you want to be like the the most like very good at what he does. And they don't know if Rousseau should stand up. They don't know if he should be on the edge. They don't know if they should kick him inside. There's just like a, a lot of question marks with him. I see him as a as a big three four type of guy. Uh, one of those guys you could slip on the edge uh, in a three four defense, which is kind of a popular thing. Um, but you know, um, I, I'm just pretty much just just betting on his potential here. There's nothing else. Uh, That's fair. Being six six two sixty, you know, a lot a lot of the stuff with the pro day has me thinking that the year off with a lot of these athletes, really, a lot of a lot of these athletes have suffered a little bit of the consequence uh, of, of taking the year off. And I'm not certainly not shaming them for doing that. I'm just saying that there has been a noticeable decrease in, you know, pro day stuff, um, pro day numbers, I should say for the people that have taken it, taken the year off. So. Yeah. Look at the pit guys. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah, exactly. So maybe, you know, maybe once they get back into the flow of things, maybe it'll, it'll be a little bit better. Absolutely. So, so move on to my number two then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So number two for me is since there's so many question marks at the edge this year, I just thought I'm going to go with the most athletic guy and bank on him figuring it out. And that's Jason Oway out of Penn state. 
Yeah. I mean, he only started playing football in 2016. And so that's why I'm willing to overlook like he has bad eye discipline and he's super raw and like doesn't have a great get off of the snap. But like that's going to come with just like playing more football. Mm-hmm. But like he, he's super fluid and like listen to these measurables from his pro day four three six forty. <laughs> he's six five two fifty seven with thirty four and a half inch arms, thirty nine and a half inch vertical, eleven feet two inch broad jump. He is like the most explosive athlete. Like these are historically good pro day numbers, and like I know he didn't get a sack as in the twenty twenty shortened season. So like. That also doesn't bug me that much. Like the, the the raw ability is there, and so when when everyone has question marks, I'm going to take the guy who who at least has the highest floor of like he he at least has the raw tools to be great. Yeah, that's totally fair. And you know, that's it, yeah. I feel like everything past Fairmore is certainly debatable. Oh yeah. Um, because I mean, yeah, I, I would agree. Like I got, I pretty much have, you know, the four edges after Barrymore. Uh, well, obviously he's interior, but I mean the four edges, the four top edges, I, I have them all kind of grouped together. There's yeah, there's it's, really, it's all a tier. It's all the same tier. Yeah. Um, P- pick a pick a number out of a hat. Seriously, yeah. Uh, but as you said, you know, he, he uh, he's definitely one of the younger guys. Um, meaning younger as an experience uh, in this draft. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, you know, with, with the athleticism he was able to show, I think that's definitely something to build off of. And uh, I, you know, I, I know a lot of teams kind of, kind of bank on the whole athleticism thing. Um, and sometimes it burdens them, but uh, this is, this is a guy that really can. Now here's a guy. Yeah. Now here's a guy that can, that can <laughs> show up. I, I feel like. Absolutely. Who's your number two? Well, mine was Barrymore, so we're gonna skip oh, past right. that one and on go your to number three. Number three, which, as I said, all of these are are fairly debatable. I had uh, I had Aziz Ojolari. Mm, he's, um, he's my number four. Yeah, this guy. You know, <laughs> I need to stop that. Uh, <laughs> he's sub two fifty. Uh, pretty explosive on the edge. Um, Uses his hands pretty well. Um, could play three downs. Just, just pretty much, you know, the prototypical edge that that you're totally fine with. There's not really much else to say about it. I mean, uh, he got nine sacks last season, twenty hurries. I mean, he's pretty disruptive around the ball. So, um, that that's pretty much the thing. I think the only knock on him during this this process has been his strength, and I think that's yep. just to play with his uh his size really uh six three sub two you know two forty um but you know that's something strength is something that you can improve that's you know not much of a not much of something that you can't improve so yeah ojalari really benefits from this not being the strongest edge class because like it's pretty obvious he's just a rotational piece he's just like a He's a curveball to throw in, like put in the fast guy after the strong guy gets tired. Because like yeah. he he is pretty undersized and he, he has a tendency to get washed. So so like he's he's nothing more than like a fun interchangeable part, which like that's fine. There's a role for that in the NFL. He'll make his money. Like he's oh, he's, no, he's no like 
game changer. He's not going to dominate the game, but like a, a very safe pick high floor here. You know that he's going to be able to come in and contribute uh, pretty much day one in a rotation. Absolutely. All right. So to my number three, then uh, we have uh Quidi pay out of Michigan. Uh, what, what, what is it with Michigan and like getting these great recruits and then not getting them very ready for the pros? You know, that's, that's a great question. That's a very great question. This dude is a tank. He, he benched 225 <laughs> 36 times and ran a four five. Like he, he's kind of in the same category as OA for me, where it's just like the natural, like the raw athleticism is there. So like, let's not overthink it. Like, Honestly, you can, you can teach somebody better technique. Like these NFL coaches are, are the top of the, of the, of the, in the world. And like pay has good hands and good, good footwork, but there are just, there are reps where he just doesn't have it. And like, he, he's just a little bit green, doesn't read the game. Well, doesn't like flow. Well, I mean, he only had 19 starts in college, yeah. so like he need he needs coached up. But again, like the raw, what you like to see in a prospect is there. So what if like some of the processing isn't there that that can be something learned with reps. And so I see him as a good uh, second edge off the board here. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah. That's, that's honestly what's probably going to happen here. So it, it depends on what you're looking for. Really. If you're yeah. looking for, if you're looking for safe, Ojolari, you take him over pay 10 times out of 10. If you're looking for like a potentially could, could hit and to be like a great, like weak side edge for the next four years, then you go with a payer and OA. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. And, um, you know, my next, I guess, basically two are pretty much those. So, uh, we won't, we, I won't delve far, uh, much deeper into it. So I, I would actually like to hear what your next one is. Is it Jalen Phillips? Uh, number four for me was Aziz Ochilari. So we don't have to get oh, any more into that. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. So on to your four. Um, well, let me think we have four, which is, uh, I think I had, wait, where was I at? <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Technical had, difficulties, folks. Show notes are Barrymore, <laughs> not our friends. So, uh, oh yeah. Ojolari. And then, uh, away. All right. Pain. So away at four for you. Pain. As we've already discussed. So I'll, you know what, I got OA and pain. So I'll, I'll dive in a little bit to my my sleeper. And okay. At that, I will say uh, Ali McNeil. In oh, the, the D tackle out of NC State. Absolutely love that kid. He's yes. he's so much potential. Uh, he actually had the highest run defense grade among the country's DTs this past season. What is it with NC State and producing all this? NFL D line talent and then nothing else. I know it. Uh, we're talking about a guy. Gosh, <laughs> we're talking. <laughs> he's three twenty pass rushing defensive tackle, but also can uh, well primarily run, but he can also you know rush the rush the passer. So, uh, you know, he, he's three hundred twenty pounds at the nose, but um, he's got he's got a little bit of skill to him. So. Uh, he could definitely develop into a little bit of a pass rusher, but uh, yeah, if you're looking for consistency and you just, you know, you need a guy to throw in there, McNeil is definitely a, one of those type of guys in this draft. 
I love McNeil. He looks fantastic on tape. He has a lot of intangibles that you like to see out of a nose. I think he should be the second interior defensive lineman off the board. Absolutely. All right. So my number five was somebody that you mentioned briefly in Jalen Phillips. And again, I'm just basing this off of, I mean, he ran a, a four five as a 36 vertical. I'm like, so the, the kid's explosive and he has like this elite acceleration as we saw in this last season with Miami that like the, the ankle injury isn't too much on him. I mean, he's super flexible, still super bendy, can get around guys, but you just, you just got to worry about that injury history. I mean, like he retired from football because of his concussions. Yeah. And so like, one one more and he could be done forever. And so right. like, do you do you invest the second round pick in a guy that's a, a solid pull block away from never playing football again? Right. That's definitely something that's concerning with Phillips. And you know, I really hope that, you know, it ends up going well for him. But, you know, somewhere in the NFL, you know, it's gonna be tough to avoid a concussion. I'm not gonna lie. And uh it, it is one of those gamble picks for sure. There's a lot of potential there, but at the same time, do you do you let him slide? Do you pick him? Like it's 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 a tough it's a tough question with Phillips. Seriously, yeah, I put him at my five out of nothing but disrespect because or not disrespect out of nothing but respect <laughs> for him because if some super unlucky car accident doesn't happen, he stays at UCLA, remains a top prospect, and is no doubt the top guy off the board. And now that he has to worry about that, it's just, it's just a sad situation. Yeah, so I'll real. put him at my number f- someone. If he ends up somehow avoiding concussions for his career, someone's going to be very happy with the returns they get from him. Yeah, I feel that for sure. So do you have a sleeper pick for the line? Oh, I didn't do any sleeper picks this time. I just did oh, straight up. That's totally fun. I had a stretch to get <laughs> get to five for some of these guys. So Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It, w- so it then, would have been a Lee McNeil, to be fair. So, Well, then I'm glad we agree there. Um <laughs> We will move on to linebacker, and there are two hotly contested linebackers in this class, whether who should go first. Uh, and I, I'm curious to hear which one you believe should go first. Oh, who should go first? That one's – I thought. I think this is a pretty easily answered question. It's Michael Parsons. Am I, am I too biased? Am I being too biased? Oh, you're being uh, – Am I, too, am I being too biased? Be <laughs> you're going to be mad at who I'm I am number I'm two kidding, I'm kidding. Micah Parsons is for sure going first. You're going to be mad at who I have at number two then. Oh, come on. <laughs> but yeah, you oh. want to tell us about Micah Parsons? Or do you want me to? No, go ahead. I mean, he, he's been on like the name on everybody's lips for the last year and a half. Parsons is like this super crazy athlete and like had the production to match it at Penn State. Ran a 4-3-9-40 at, at his weight. Like, oh, my God. He he can rush the passer. He's more than effective in coverage. Like, he's a super rare prospect. Like, a a 3-4 linebacker, like, dream. Has, like, elite feet. And, like, the only knock that you can really find that people have with him is that sometimes he's a little bit, like, too athletic and, like, has a tendency to overshoot gaps and, like, over-pursue, like, his, his tackling lanes and just miss. And so it's just about reeling himself in. It's nothing that he lacks. It's, it's about being too good and is, is a little like off the field stuff, but like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And 
to much of your surprise, I also have Micah Parsons at number one. Oh, there it is. I was, I was just putting a front on for you. No, oh, yeah. uh, Micah Parsons is, is very is very clearly the uh, best linebacker in this draft. There's there's certainly no doubt about it. Uh, Rare athleticism. Yeah, he's someone that's that's just yeah. He's he's gonna he's gonna make a team very happy as as Ryan likes to say. And he and he's um, going to slide in this draft too. So Yeah. Somebody somebody like the Lions are going to pick him up later yeah. than he should go. Yeah. Uh he is someone that will likely slide due to all of this offensive firepower we got this season compared to defense, uh which is really entertaining because most of the time it's the opposite way around. So it's, it's exactly interesting. It'll be a very fun draft. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Michael Parsons is number one, what Ryan said. But number two for me is... Yeah, take it away for your guy. <laughs> of course, it's Jeremiah Awusu Um I mean, what what do I got to say about this guy? I mean, he's he's freaking... He, he's got tremendous coverage skills. Tremendous. Um. He's someone that can fit into pretty much any defense, really, uh, and and be able to produce. Um, you know, his <laughs> the way that Notre Dame plays him, uh, his his tackle numbers aren't like incredibly high on the statistic sheet, uh, but he was certainly the leader of that defense. Um, he's he's got a pretty solid burst, um, but as as many kind of like to point out, like where is he going to get put? Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of a, I guess the knock, if you would like to say, uh, what, what actual position, what system will fit him best. And, uh, that, I feel like that's pretty much, pretty much all I got to say about my boy. Yeah. He was Mr. Production at Notre Dame. I mean, that Rover yeah. position really just eats up tackles. I love and like playmaking options. Oh, the play, the rover option like at Notre Dame, it it got Drew Tranquil drafted, and and now we have like super powered Drew Tranquil with Jeremiah Jeremiah Koromoa. Right, right, yeah. Uh, I just wish he was bigger. He's like yeah, stuck he's somewhere not, between a safety and a linebacker, which is typical, obviously, for the rover position. Right, it's um, ideal for a rover, but how many NFL teams use a rover? Not many. <laughs> Slot, slot corner. He might just be a slot corner. You think so? I could see it. Just be an oversized slot corner that like eliminate backs out of the backfield and tight ends. See, but here's here's the issue is a lot of these people with these role concerns, such as him, uh, you know, that happens. They get thrown into the secondary and then, you know, the main thing that they're known for and playmaking just gets thrown to the side. I, yeah, I true. You can't, you can't that waste happen. that side of them. Uh, you know, especially if it's especially if he's a a high draft pick, you can't waste that side of him, right? And like people like him need to be near the ball. He needs to be able to to make the plays. And I I like to allude a lot to you know uh, Jabril Peppers, who was one of those guys that was essentially. I mean, he was more athletic than uh, Ogusu Koroma, but uh, I just mean like in the fact that he was a guy that really needed to be, you know, uh, near the line trying to make plays. But instead, the Browns decided, hey, we're going to throw you at safety all the way far away from the ball and you're not going to do anything. Uh, So, 
he's one of those the giants are that, using him right now. It's kind of nice to see. Yeah, it is nice to see. I totally agree. But uh, it, he's one of those guys uh, where you definitely need to get him near the ball. So um, he's got all of the traits that you want from a linebacker. Um, as you said, he is pretty solid at slot coverage. So where somebody tends to to put him, I'm not totally sure. We'll find out. But uh, I do think that, you know, as long as you don't waste his talents, playmaking talents, et cetera, he'll be a nice solid pick for you. Couldn't agree more. Do you want to hear my number two now? Is it Nick Bolton? Oh, no. Nick Bolton's okay. my number five. All right. All right. All right. Go on. Number two. Would be Jamin Davis out of uh, Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky in their defense. Um, the, the only reason I I bump him up to the number two spot here is because he is singularly best at pursuit of like any linebacker we've seen in like the last five to ten years. Like he <laughs> he he is Mister Go Make a Tackle. Like he he's six three two thirty five and ran a four three seven forty. Like. 42 inch vertical, 11 foot or 11 broad jump. Like this guy is super explosive, super fast and like gets downhill quick and goes and and makes plays. He's the most elite playmaker in this class and what he what he lacks in experience and like reading quarterbacks and like diagnosing the play. Like he still sees the field very well and like he you can make up for that and you can teach him that. You can't teach that raw speed and tackle making ability and so i see him as the the second most valuable linebacker in this class wow that's that's see that's that's your version of my russo because i don't think a lot of people have uh you know no uh, not a lot of people are high on jamie davis well just because he doesn't have a lot of tape not high but you know not Not as high yeah um yeah that's definitely interesting uh He's not on my list, actually, but I, I got to give love to Nick Bolton. How could you just push him aside? Come on. Is he, is he your three? Yes, he's my three. All right. He's my five. So go ahead. Tell me about Nick Bolton. Come on. Why do you like him? Well, admittedly, he's undersized. I he's think tiny. That... <laughs> he's a little baby. He's but a little it baby never that can't shed blocks. It, uh, look, it, it didn't stop him from being able to to get some pass breakups. It didn't stop him from being able to, you know, coverage. It didn't stop him from being a linebacker. So what's the size better? What's the size better? Look, <laughs> uh, he was very effective uh, in both the run and pass. Uh, racked up plenty of tackles. Uh, I love that my voice just broke. Uh, racked up. Uh, <laughs> Congrats on turning 16, buddy. <laughs> Uh, as I said, uh, he, he does account for pass breakups. So yeah, he's, he's tiny, but he's instinctive and that's exactly what you want from a linebacker. This dude's probably going to be a more of an interior linebacker. So he's, he's probably more fitted towards a four, three, uh, type style defense, but, um, you know, I, I mean, that's, that's pretty much why I got him at number three. Here's my thing with Bolton. Like, if you're small, that's fine. There are small guys that hit hard in the league, like Bob Sanders and people of that nature. Like, you can make a living for yourself just being the guy who lays hits and, like, is super great at reading the, reading the quarterback. But, like, if you're small, you got to be fast, too, and Nick Bolton isn't fast. 
And so that, that's literally the only thing. Like he, he just like plays slow and he's small. So like he, he cannot get off of blocks. And so while there are pluses to his game and he will get drafted fairly high, like he is just not fast enough for my liking for being that size. He could, he could, he could shed some pouts. He could get faster. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> then just go play <laughs> cornerback or safety because he's 5'11. Hey. Let's be I want nice. my linebackers to be able to impose at least a little bit. He's 232 pounds at six foot. I suppose that's equal to a 6'3, 240. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Moving on. <laughs> Nick right. Bolton, he's fine. All right. Who's so my number four. Three. Number three was Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, who we've okay. already touched on. So four, got to give that one to Zayvon Collins of Tulsa. Okay. <laughs> My top note is um, all caps, huge motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> six, 6'5", and was up to 270 at his pro day. Whew. And for like being that big, he's like shocking, shockingly athletic. Like he ran a 4'6'7'40". Imagine that much person running at you at a four, six, seven <laughs> pace. And like his yeah. explosiveness was good. Jumped very well. Um, and like covers like fairly well for being that big, like an, is not yeah. a liability in the passing game. No, as it's all thanks to his awareness. Like he's very smart. Re, like diagnosis plays before they're snapped, a very smart kid, but like, the only thing that comes with being that heavy is a change of direction is not great. And so anything like a, like a jet sweep, he, he's going to get washed away. Anything like any, like, like uh, double routes, he can't really stay in coverage that well. And despite being so big, not an overly aggressive dude, which is kind of weird, but yeah. uh, regardless, really good prospect here. I mean, I considered it like, if the other three prospects above him weren't so good, like I, I really battled with bumping him up higher, but like a bit big, like traditional, like Erlacher type linebacker really like to, to see what he does in the pros. Yeah, that, that's totally fair. Uh, yeah. I, I pretty much got him in the same spot. So there's no worries. Got him there. at the four. Yeah. All right. Uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Instead of going with five, I think I will just jump into a sleeper pick. This is a far, far deep sleeper right here. Oh, God. Uh, I'm talking about Dylan Moses. Oh, my. Mr. Injury. Mr. Injury. It's sad. It but is sad. We can't forget that this was formerly a five-star recruit, which will end up getting him drafted. And he's got great natural instincts for a linebacker. Uh, uh, we're talking about a guy who's, pre- who's pretty... Pre- I'm just going to keep doing it now. Uh, yeah, who's now it's pretty, a bit. <laughs> who's pretty productive uh, when he wasn't injured. Um, he's a little bit thin. Uh, I mean, like I said, this is a this is a deep, this is a deep sleeper. Yeah, this we're is like a six-round pickup. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're talking about like like he can he can be someone that will be able to uh, produce when you just throw him into you know throw him into a package. Uh, you're not gonna. He's probably gonna produce something for you. So 
Um, I feel like most people pretty much know who Dylan Moses is. Yeah. Um, Household name, despite all the injuries. Despite all the injuries. Um, but that's just that's just what I'm going to go with. I'm going to forego the fifth pick because I just... Eh. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, let's move on to DB. Yeah, uh, let's do it. So I feel like this is obviously the most stacked position on defense this year. Um, oh, yeah. DB is the, is the place to go. There are some really fun corners this year. Absolutely. And we all know who the first one going off the board is. So, Ryan, take it away with why Mr. Sertain, Sertan, however you say it. I mean, you got to start with the with the NFL bloodline. His dad was, I think, a three time pro bowler and like is like became a coach as his son was growing up and learning the game. It's a pretty good time for that. Like beyond having the bloodline for it, like he's got the size. He's 6'2", 205, great size for like an outside corner. Ran, ran a 4'4'2", has all the explosive things you want to see. 10-foot, 10, 1-inch 10 vertical. Oh, 10-foot, 11-inch broad and 39-inch vertical. 18 reps on the bench. I mean, he's not just a kid with the, with the uh, intangibles. Like he started 38 games at Bama. I mean, he's very technically sound with his hands and his feet. Like, great, great timing. Keeps stride well. I mean, lives on the shoulder and the hip pocket, depending on the route. I mean, don't overthink this, guys. Like, if you're looking for a cornerback, you take Patrick Sertan, number, no, like the, the top one, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, six foot plus cornerbacks are in high demand these days. And Gotta have fortunately them. for people, uh, the top, what, four cornerbacks are all 6'2", six, six, six foot and up. Uh, oh, yeah. Depending on where you rank Asante Samuel Jr. So, um, yeah, no, you, you're totally right. I mean, this this isn't a hard one, people. Uh, no. Not at all. And I wouldn't be shocked to see if he's the first defender to go off the board. Um, oh, yeah. He should be the first defender to go off the board. Right. But some people... You know, some people might go with the linebacker, you know. Yeah, it's Parsons. It's whatever. I so mean. we'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, we're so, he's he's someone who's improved every single season. Like he was at Bama. Um, and one of those guys that you certainly don't want to pass in the direction of. So he's battle tested. He's got to play fucking LSU every year. <laughs> yeah, you got a point there. Um, that's something you definitely look forward to. <laughs> so I think we both agree on the second best as well. Um, is it a JC? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. JC Horn at number two. He's just, he, he's like a carbon copy of certain. Cause like he, <laughs> he's a little bit fat. He, he runs a four, three, nine. So he's a little bit faster, jumps a little bit higher and further and is an inch shorter with longer arm with a little bit longer arm. So like physically and like the intangibles, they're like comparable horns got him beat by a little bit in a couple of categories, but like not noticeably enough to be like, he's definitely better. But the issue is so horn spent all of 2019 getting just bullied by sec receivers because he had a tendency to just kind of like, like, play the ball more than the receiver and the route, if, if that makes sense. 
Mm. Like he was, he was too quick to jam step off and start reading the quarterback before the route had really developed. And so he was getting burned a lot. And so to fix that, I guess his coaches told him, just keep your hands on the, on the receiver. And so now <laughs> he's like, he's like ripping people around all the time and gets flags thrown on him all the constantly. Time. <laughs> so, so it's a good and a bad thing. Like it's good that he responds to coaching well and is willing to change his game. If it means it fits the scheme better and it makes him a better player. So that's a plus a minus is he now has a terrible tendency to just like <laughs> rip guys by their shoulders when they're mid route and draw like five to six flags a game, which yeah. you, like will, will lose you games. Yeah. So like he's just a more physical certain and like is the best like press cover corner in, in the draft. And so like he, he's still a really good prospect. Like if you can just talk him out of like being being such a fucking dickhead on the line, <laughs> like he's a great he's a great prospect and a great pick and like has that NFL bloodline just like certain. So, I mean, again, like let's let's not get too uh, ahead of ourselves here and let's just pick the, the first and second best corners. Yeah, I mean, eight catches on 24 targets in the SEC is pretty damn tough. Being on South Carolina, too. <laughs> yeah. Don't have a lot of help over the top. <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah, this one's also fairly obvious. Though it is debatable with the third uh, third guy. But um, Who do you have at number three? I feel like I, I got to go uh, Moerig. Oh, I got Moerig? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't disagree with that. But and for those uh, of you listening at home, he is a safety. This yes, is defensive backs. Safety. The pretty much the only solid safety we got here this this season. You, um, want, you want to talk about our guy? I've covered the last two. Uh, that's totally fair. Uh, yeah, he's he's a uh, he led all FBS safeties and pass breakups each you know, past two seasons. Uh, he, he's got ideal size for uh, as a safety. Yeah, rolling six two, uh, two oh two, uh, pretty tall guy back there, um, pretty solid at tackling. Uh, Twenty nineteen, yeah, he racked up fifty, and uh, you know he's he's very just. I mean, he's just good at what he does. Um, certainly, you know, safety is something that's also in fairly high demand these days. So, uh, I think I think he'll be able to produce on the next level for sure. You got to know how to use him. He's pretty worthless when it comes to the passing game or not. The, <laughs> I'm sorry. When it comes to the rushing game, like yeah. he, he, he's getting washed by like these flimsy little big 12 wide receivers. <laughs> so, and like he, he doesn't read plays super well, like when it is a run, but like in the, in the passing game, he's a pretty elite like safety valve to have like backing up your corners. And so like, there's obvious value for that. Like there's way to ways to cover up his weaknesses. And like, as you said, by far the best safety prospect. So if, if you need a safety and you're like picking late first, early second, like Morig is a the, the unanimous choice. Yeah, absolutely. There's no one else that's 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 touching him, him this this year. So only safety uh, that made my list of five of the best defensive backs. Yeah. Everything else is a corner. Corners are are definitely stacked this season so yeah good class of corners bad class of safeties that's how you get this kind of combination here yeah so with that being my three uh at number four uh i have caleb farley all right so we switched this i had farley at three and morrig at four okay uh, that's totally fair um i mean 
he had a what 90.5 coverage grade i mean oh yeah he was immaculate <laughs> he allowed a passer rating of only 26.8 <laughs> he was a menace in the acc if it wasn't for the back surgery he'd probably be the first quarterback off the dang board that's exactly uh, what i have written in my notes man it's just like you worry about it's the second time he's had the surgery too so yeah. like it's a re- it's a recurring thing and it can affect how you play and so like yeah. that naturally has to bump you down boards absolutely and you know uh needless to say i mean his numbers literally speak for as to why he's a great uh defender but you know even even when he, he he's got great closing speed like <laughs> oh yeah he's fast man his acceleration uh, is nuts it's yeah. less his like like straight line speed and like he just gets the top speed immediately. He's a cheetah. Yeah, exactly. Which obviously is something that's awesome. So uh, that that's pretty much, I, I think, really the only like hit on Farley is is experience in doing press. But other than that, it's experience at all. I mean, he came to Virginia Tech yeah, as a quarterback. That too. So I mean, like again, he's going to have the best coaches in the league. Fundamentals and technique will come, and like he. Ari displayed pretty good grip on it when he was still at in college. So, I mean, if it, it goes back to like the Jalen Phillips point of earlier, it's like, can we overlook these injuries? Do we spend a high draft pick on a guy that may be out of the league in two years? We don't know. Yeah, exactly. So that means we're on our last one. I also think this is probably agreed. So, uh, what do you got? Are we keeping it in the, uh, Dad was in the NFL bloodline with Asante Samuel Jr. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, here we go. I mean, I, I love him. I mean, <clears throat> there's obviously a like a lot to like with his uh with his pedigree. He's 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 undersized. I think he's gonna end up being a slot corner. But like yeah. he he's super strong for how I mean, small isn't the right word for it, but like undersized versus like the other top corners in this class. <laughs> And uh, I, I just worry about like uh, he, he doesn't uh, doesn't keep his eyes in the backfield very often. He's too focused on the receiver. Like he's kind of the the polar opposite of J.C. Horn. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit a little bit too grabby and like uh, his, his technique needs quite a bit of work. Even though his dad was like you know one of the best at technique in NFL history, so I kind of trust <laughs> that he'll figure that out. Yeah, I feel fine um, with that. <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 raw ability is there for Samuel Jr., but also he is still raw. And so there's he's kind of a project, but you can definitely see it. You you see what the the, the best example of him would be, and that's his dad. So I, yeah. I'd roll a dice on him in the third round for sure. 179 yards last year is all he allowed. It's pretty pretty ridiculous. A 46.2 on, a, on an ass Florida State team. Ass yeah. team. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like those are synonymous these days. Um, yeah, th- those two words. But yeah, uh, I, I have Asante Samuel Jr. here as well. Um, as you said, he's undersized. I feel like that's that's kind of the main thing. But is he really undersized, or is he just not comparable to the rest of the guys these days? Yeah, that's kind of what you have to uh, think about. It's just like everyone else is just so good. Yeah, <laughs> so big. Um. Yeah, exactly. He, he's probably going to be thrown into the slot. That's totally fine. Um, 
and I, I do trust, as you said, that he'll he'll figure things out. I mean, he's literally got one of the best cornerbacks uh, to to ever lace him up, and a dad. Plus, he's already got all the all the raw skills there. So, Asante Samuel Jr., everybody, um, just, just a, a high floor there, kind of similar yeah. to guys that we've mentioned earlier. Like he, he's going to be able to step in and play. He might not be a Pro Bowler but he's going to be someone that will be valuable to an NFL team for the duration of his career. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think that essentially wraps it up. Unless there's anybody else you want to give a, a shout out to some love on the defense. No, sir. I'm, I wrote no sleepers. I just wrote about the, the best guys to keep your eyes on. Okay. I was just double checking, make sure you didn't have anybody else to go. Mm-mm. Um, Man, we actually kept this one timely. Yeah, this one was very timely. This is very unlike us, but... Uh, this is our first precision podcast. I hope everyone <laughs> enjoyed. We didn't just let ourselves ramble. Yeah, that'll that'll come in the next one. With, with oh, the, God. Uh, yeah, yeah, buckle up. With, with the mock draft. Uh, this one, short and sweet. Not a whole lot to talk about here. Not a lot of guys that are super wow you, but there, are, there were, were quite a few, so... Um, so I suppose with that, that kind of concludes this episode of the Triple Option Pass podcast. Uh, if you like what we have to say, make sure to follow us um, on Spotify, any other type of podcast, podcasting app, Twitter, um, anything like that. Make sure to follow us. Make sure to follow the Running Hook Podcast Network. We got a, tons of great talent uh, being pushed out especially with this new podcast we got, Divine Rhyme, featuring Will Hogshead and Dylan Hughes. So we got a lot of content cranking out currently. Uh, I'm pretty sure Caleb Lynn should be returning pretty soon with Lynn Sanity. Um, the GOAT. The GOAT. So uh, with that being said, uh, thank you guys for listening, and see you soon. See you next week. Yeah.